the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What? is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr. Hello everyone, I'm George Roska. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to today's episode 90 of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including what compels us to do what we do at Protect Our Kids. What is our motivation, Mark? Well, uh, George, tomorrow is Christmas 2022, and on this day, December the 24th, we thought it would be good to share with our listeners why we do what we do. And as you know, George, the simple answer is Christ compels us. Amen. Uh, Children hold a very fearful place in God's heart, and we have a couple scriptures to share. So Matthew 19, verses 13 through 14, very, very familiar to to most people. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And then in Matthew 18, we read, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, that begs the question, George, why is this? And of course, the answer is children, while they're not moral blank slates, tabula rasas, neither has the corruption of sin had, has had time to work its decay. Children are generally free from pride. They're trusting. They're willing to listen and learn. Pride has not yet had time to sink its teeth into their souls. And Jesus had very ominous words for adults or collections of adults working in the school system who would corrupt them. In fact, Matthew 18 says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Fearful words. Yes, yes. And, you know, the fact that, that God enters humanity as a child himself, Mark, the nativity, uh, should give us great pause. It should indeed, um, which also begs the question, who is this child, and what does his entrance into the world mean? Well, that's the subject of why we celebrate Christmas. Mm -hmm. And George, as you know, in John's Gospel, Jesus is called the Logos, the Word of God. And in 2 Timothy, we're told that the Scriptures themselves are inspired by God. So it ought not to surprise us 
that he is able to fulfill that which through his own inspired word he's promised. And speaking of the Bible, George, you know, we know it's not one book, right? It's actually 66 books written by 40 unique authors over a period of time of some 1,500 years. In fact, one scholar has referred to it as an integrated message system, God's Word to humanity. And some people ask, well, we have an Old Testament and a New Testament. What happened between them? Well, that was a long period, about 400 years, and what are commonly known as the silent years. But of course, historically, we know they were anything but silent. A lot of things happened in that period of time. Preparation. Preparation for the New Testament. Uh, We had the rise of the Greek Empire and Alexander the Great, the establishment of the Roman Empire. Uh, We had the Seleucid Empire and the Maccabean Revolt, which led to Hanukkah and the rededication of the Second Temple. All happened between those years. But the reason for the division between the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the Old Testament, uh, God reveals his character and his dealings with the Jewish nation through mainly the law, uh, the Ten Commandments, the legal law, and the ceremonial laws. The New Testament, or the New Covenant, beginning with the four Gospels, reveals God's plan of salvation for all of mankind, Jews and Gentiles alike. But George, as we know, the whole book from Genesis to Revelation is about Christ, the second person of the Trinity, and the instrument of humanity's salvation from sin. And you know, Mark, one of the very unique things about the Bible, which I don't think any other book can compare to it, is its prophecies. It's amazing. In fact, the Old Testament declares close to 300 prophecies about the life of Christ from his birth and early ministry to his death, resurrection, and the yet-to-be-fulfilled second coming. And we have some examples of this. Mm -hmm. So in the book of Isaiah, written some 700 years before Christ's birth, it reveals that the Messiah would actually have a ministry that extends to the Gentiles, chapter 49, that he would experience suffering and affliction. Um, It's that really problematic Isaiah 53. (laughs) (laughs) It is indeed. The suffering servant, um, that he would be put to death and that he'd be condemned, um, but that he will come back to life and be exalted above all rulers. And most of these passages that you just read, George, all come from that that chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. And this this reminds me of the story of Barry Leventhal. Uh, Now, Barry, uh, this goes back to 1966. Barry was the offensive captain of UCLA's football team, uh, where my son graduated from recently, a team that was predicted in that year to finish last. But to everybody's surprise, they won the Rose Bowl that year, and Barry himself was the hero. But within a few months, the glory of that game began to fade, and Barry began to ask himself, is that all there is to life? What happened to the, the high that I had, and, and now it's gone? And, and God used that discontent to begin drawing Barry to the Jewish Messiah. In fact, Barry had a, a best friend. His name was Kent, who had become a Christian. And he expressed thanks to Barry for the Jews bringing in the Messiah. And then uh, soon after that, a Campus Crusade for Christ member, a guy named Hal, Share, George, this very passage that you read from Isaiah 53 with Barry. And Barry initially got angry 
But he verified the passage in the Tanakh, which is uh, known as part of the law and, and the prophets. And in fact, he, he took this passage to his rabbi who said Isaiah 53 sounded like Jesus. Mm. But since Jews don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, Isaiah 53 can't be referring to him. Well, Barry was a sharp guy. In fact, he was smart enough to discern circular reasoning when he heard it. And shortly thereafter, he became a follower of Christ. And many others have had similar experiences when they look at the prophetic passages in the Old Testament, particularly Isaiah. But George, as you know, Isaiah is certainly not the only Old Testament book that predicts the coming Messiah. In fact, what's been referred to as the scarlet thread of redemption runs throughout the entire Old Testament. And we have some, a few other Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah. Yeah, and Mark, that's the beauty of this whole connected message, right? Uh, we go way back to Genesis three fifteen, right after, um, well, right during the fall. And we have the whole prophecy about the seed of a woman when God talks to the serpent that it would crush his head. Uh, more specifically, from the seed of Abraham, we have later on in Genesis 12, uh, as God blesses Abraham, and he says that in you or through you, all nations shall be blessed. Uh, then we have even more specificity saying it's going to be from the tribe of Judah, but only from a particular family, from the family of David, and that he would be both God and man, that he would be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5, you Bethlehem Ephrathah, right? Yeah, in fact, Bethlehem itself means the house of bread, and Jesus' title, one of his titles for himself is, I am the bread of life. That's in John 6. Yeah, and then continuing on to Malachi 3, that he would be preceded by a messenger, and we we know who that messenger is. That was John the Baptist, who came in the spirit of Elijah, um, that he would die in Daniel 9.25, but that he would also rise from the dead, going right back to Isaiah 53. And, George, if these prophecies aren't convincing enough, the Old Testament predicted that God himself would be pierced, and this is out of Zechariah. Uh, chapter 12, verse 10, where it's written, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Is there any question that this isn't talking about Jesus? And then it goes on further in Psalm 22, we read, they have pierced my hands and my feet. Now, of course, skeptics say that, well, David, who wrote this psalm, was actually talking about himself. But often in scriptures, there are dual fulfillments, and King David was not pierced. We have no record of this. And again, in Psalm 22, uh, he writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it talks about the divided garments when Jesus was crucified and the fact that lots were cast to divide up his garments. Mm -hmm. That never happened with King David, so it cannot be him. But here's something that's even, if not equally fascinating to me, even more so. This goes back to the book of Exodus, George. Again, we're in the Old Testament. And Moses has his famous encounter uh, on the mountaintop with God himself. And God is telling Moses, you've got to go. I'm going to use you as my instrument 
to save the people, the Jews, uh, out of Egypt. And Moses asks him, well, who shall I say who sent me? What is your name? That's kind of an obvious question. But the answer, George, is fascinating. For God responds to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you shall say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, this expression, I am, in the Old Testament is actually four Hebrew consonants that in the English render Y-H-W-H. And sometimes we pronounce that Yahweh or Jehovah, but it literally means the self-existent one, one who was never created, who has always existed, has existence in and of himself. Well, what about Jesus? Did he ever claim to be God, specifically this God? Well, the New Testament writers claimed that Jesus was was God, but what about Jesus himself? What did he claim for himself? Well, there's this famous passage in John 8, verses 56 through 59, where, where we read this. Your father Abraham, he's talking to the Pharisees, rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. And he saw it and was glad. And they responded, wait a minute, you're not even 50 years old yet, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Why did they pick up stones to stone him? Because they knew what this meant. Jesus himself was claiming the very name of God. And if he wasn't, he deserved to be stoned. Yeah, and and obviously in in the Judaic law, right, uh, if you ever made such a statement, that was heretical. That was blasphemous. And so you had to be stoned. Uh, and put to death. And eventually that was the reason that he was, he was crucified. Yeah. Well, here's something really interesting, George. We, we've only talked about a few of the 300 prophecies that the Old Testament has that a Messiah would come and that he would save mankind from its sins. And in the book Science Speaks, Peter Stoner and Robert Newman discuss the statistical improbability of one man whether accidentally or deliberately fulfilling just eight of the prophecies fulfilled. The chance of this happening, they said, is one in 10 to the 17th power. Now, you and I are both engineers, and we understand how big this number is. That's one in a 100 quadrillion. Exactly. And Stoner gives an illustration, a non-mathematical one, that helps visualize the magnitude of such odds. And I'll read from his book. Suppose that we take 10 to the 17 silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas. They will cover all of the state two feet deep. Now mark one of these silver dollars and stir the whole mass thoroughly all over the state. Blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up just one silver dollar and say that this is the right one. Now, what chance would he have of getting the right one? Just the same chance that the prophets would have had in writing these eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man. 
from their day to the present time, providing they wrote using their own wisdom. The mathematical improbability of 300 prophecies coming Mm. true in one man, or 44, or just eight, stands as spectacular evidence of Jesus' Messiahship. And Mark, just for our listeners to know, Dr. Peter Stoner, his all of his calculations were actually peer-reviewed. And I have a quote, actually, from Dr. Harold Hartzler from the American Scientific Affiliation of Goshen College. And he wrote this in the foreword of that book. He said, The mathematical analysis included is based upon principles of probability which are thoroughly sound, and Professor Stoner has applied these principle principles in a proper and convincing way, end quote. It's amazing. Well, George, this leaves just a few options for people who have um, honestly looked at the life of Christ and the Old Testament prophecies concerning him. And those choices are Jesus was either a lunatic or a liar, or he was who he claimed to be. Well, lunatic and liar just don't fix the, fit the facts of history, because Jesus consistently uttered the most intelligent, wise, and ethical statements that the world has ever witnessed. And George, people don't voluntarily follow to their deaths people who obviously are lunatics Mm -hmm. or liars. They only do that for the real deal. Now, there's a famous quote out of uh, C.S. Lewis's famous treatise, Mere Christianity, that I think uh, is worth reading. Do you want to read that for us? Yeah, C.S. Lewis said, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish things that people often say about him, meaning Christ. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would rather be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a man-man, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option to us. He did not intend to. He did not intend to, indeed. And, and you know, George, this reminds me of the the famous um, uh, writing called One Solitary Life. And we we can uh, sort of conclude with this. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then, for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. In fact, he never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments. 
the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. I am well within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marked, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. There's only one reason why one life can have the effect that Jesus' mm-hmm. life had. It yes. was because he was who he claimed to be, the Lord of heaven. And his offer, George, of the free gift of salvation continues for all of mankind. We still live in the age of grace. In fact, um, in John, uh, the first chapter of the Gospel of John, it says this, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And George, that's good news indeed. And that is the best news humanity has ever heard. And we are so blessed uh, by this message, Mark. And I hope that our, our parents uh, out there who have been listening to uh, this program faithfully and where we usually always talk about other bad news, this is the best news ever possible. And so every single day, parents out there, as you are fighting in your local school districts, uh, at your probably county level or state level or even nationally, uh, be of good cheer. Remind yourself of this great news every single time you have a bad day. Amen. And um, as you celebrate the Christmas holiday uh, today and going into tomorrow with your family and friends, um, all of us here at Protect Our Kids uh, just wish you the very merriest of Christmas and we encourage you that despite what we see happening in our school districts uh, and in the public schools across the country, take heart because the king is still on the throne and he is sovereign in the affairs of man, including our own lives. Most definitely, Mark. Uh, we want to encourage our listeners uh, to continue visiting our website where we are constantly making updates, putting in new information. And over the next uh, couple of weeks, there will be uh, more new information uh, that we're going to be sharing. Please uh, download and share our brochures, uh, which are uh, very easy uh, to share both digitally and in hard copy. You can order those on our website. Uh, watch and share our many videos. Um, and in this coming year, we're going to be publishing more new videos to help parents uh, you know, stay on top of uh, current events, what's going on, and, and how to be able to articulate our position more clearly. Um, you can even download our How to Start a Private School Guide, and it has a lot more information than just private schooling. It has about homeschooling as well. Um, and if you would like Mark or I or both of us to come in to, to speak, we have on, on our front page a speaker button. Please hit that and uh, write to us a message uh, noting uh, where and when. Um, and then we also have a donate button. You see, POK's mission is to inform parents about dangerous public school indoctrination and alternatives to public schools. Uh, We rely on our donors to do this. However, 
our donor revenue is unpredictable. So that's why we're inviting you to join our Guardian Angels program by making a recurring monthly donation. This will enable us to help more parents get their kids out of public schools. And to learn more, go on our website, protectourkidsnow.org, and you'll see the donate button with the Guardian Angel program. Uh, We wish you a very, very Merry Christmas, and God bless you. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Say What? The radio ministry of Protect Our Kids, where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in American public education and the forces working against our children. Join us at this same time every Saturday as attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Rosca Jr. unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children. For more information about this program or Protect Our Kids, email the show at info at protectourkidsnow.org. That's info at protectourkidsnow.org. And join Mark and George right here next week at this same time for another episode of Say What? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.